Convicted and Convinced, a message from God's Word for you. Here's Pastor Robert Manessis. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to the book of John chapter 8, verse 51. In John chapter 8, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, fourth book of the New Testament, as Jesus is appealing to the Pharisees and the leaders of his day, he says something very astounding, revolutionary. In John chapter 8, verse 51, Jesus again in dialogue with the Pharisees and those in his day says in verse 51, most assuredly I say to you, if anyone, if anyone keeps my word, then he says, he shall never see death. That's revolutionary. What a statement by Jesus here. He says that those who keep my words shall never see death. I mean, we live in the world where death is all around us. We, we saw uh, from the very beginning when Lucifer chose to rebel against God by his own choice, then leading Adam and Eve to, to follow him and obey him, and then sin comes to the world, and then death is brought to reality here. And here Jesus says, unapologetically, with boldness, and he says, those who keep my words shall never see death. How can this be possible? Because last time I checked, death is all around us. Even today is more prevalent than ever. Much sickness and suffering. But the amazing thing is, is that as Jesus continues in his ministry, just a little longer, he then begins to show us what he means by this. He allows an event to happen. A little later, just a, a bit later after he says these words, an event he allows to happen that will unfold for us, that will unpack for us what he means by this, that those who believe in him, those who want to follow him and keep his word shall never see death. Now, he's applying here that if you've chosen to follow him, um, it just goes to reason that you might want to follow what he says. Amen. And the event that he allows to transpire that will help us sort of unpack and know what he means here is found in John chapter 11. So if you have your Bibles, go to John chapter 11. In John chapter 11, Jesus allows this event to happen for a purpose, and you might know it as the death of Lazarus. So, for those at home or wherever you might be, if you come to John chapter 11, you can say amen. I heard you at home. Beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, Now a certain man was sick, and his name was Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Verse 3, therefore the sisters were sent to him, to Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, 
This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Verse 6, so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Now, you would think that the reason that when Christ hears the news that Lazarus is sick, obviously on the verge of possibly dying, and the Bible says here that he loved Lazarus and Martha and Mary, you would assume to think that Christ would pick everything up and run, run to Bethany. Now, scholars are in agreement that Christ was in the region of Perea during this time, about 25 miles away, which is about a day's journey. And Christ here, not by accident, because God does nothing by accident, He stays and does not leave. And we're going to see, again, why God allows this to happen. Why He allows this to happen. Now listen very carefully and listen very good. Sometimes we don't understand why God allows things to happen. Isn't that true? Sometimes we don't understand why God allows things to happen, but this I plead with God's people, that you have to trust in Him and know that He will make things right. Eventually. So God allows Lazarus to get sicker and sicker and sicker, and eventually Lazarus dies. Now again, he does this for a purpose. We're going to unlock this. Two major reasons why. Two major reasons. How many reasons? Two. There's much, but we're going to focus on two here. Now look at the screen. There are parallels slash similarities between Lazarus and Jesus in their burial And there is a defining difference. We're going to see that there are an astounding parallels between how Lazarus was buried and how Jesus was buried. It's incredible. We're about to dig into this. Again, God allows Lazarus to die for a purpose, to bring something out here for His glory. And we're going to see there are two major reasons for this. Now, let's begin to study how Lazarus was buried. If you're in John chapter 11, we're going to see that Lazarus was placed in a tomb. Go to verse 17. Lazarus was placed in a tomb. Chapter 11 of John, verse 17. And the Bible says, So when Jesus came, he found that he, Lazarus, had already been in a, what's the word there, in the tomb four days. So Lazarus was placed in a what? In a tomb. Also, Lazarus was wrapped in linen or grave clothes from head to toe. Go to verse 44. Lazarus was um, covered in grave clothes or linens from head to toe. Verse 44 of John 11, the Bible says. And he who had died, that's Lazarus, came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, the Bible says. So we first saw that Lazarus was placed where? 
in a tomb. We see that Lazarus was covered from head to toe in burial clothes or grave clothes. Are you with me so far? Okay. Number three, Lazarus uh, in the tomb there, a stone was placed in front of his tomb. Go to verse 38. A stone was placed in front of the tomb. Verse 38 says, then Jesus again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb it was a cave, and a stone lay against it or replaced against it. Number one, Lazarus was laid where? In a tomb. Number two, Lazarus was covered in grave clothes or linens from head to toe. Number three, a stone was placed in front of the tomb where he laid. Are you with me so far? Number four, the stone was rolled away. Go to verse 41. Eventually, a stone was rolled away. The Bible says in verse 41, then they took away the stone from the place where the, where the dead man was lying. So here we see that the stone that was placed in front of the tomb was rolled away eventually. Can you say amen? Now look at this, number five, I believe. One, two, three, four, number five. Lazarus was called forth from the tomb by Jesus. Look at verse 43. Verse 43 says, And when he, had, when he, Jesus, had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Number one, Lazarus was placed where? In a tomb. Number two, Lazarus was covered in grave clothes or linens from head to toe. Number three, a stone was placed in front of the tomb. Number four, a stone, the stone was rolled away. Number five, Lazarus was called forth from the tomb. Are you with me so far? And number six, we see here that Lazarus comes walking out of the tomb. Look at verse 44. And he who had died, that's Lazarus, came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes. Here we see that somehow Lazarus comes walking or uh, uh, um, just sort of um, sliding himself out of the tomb. But he comes in essentially walking out of the tomb there. Look at what we see here. Lazarus was placed in a tomb, was covered in grave clothes from head to toe. A stone was placed in front of the tomb. The stone was rolled away. He was called forth from the tomb, and he came walking out of the tomb. Now, what we're going to see here is that the way that Lazarus was raised from the dead by Jesus was not the customary way that we see Jesus raising people from the dead. Now, do you think that the way that Christ rose Lazarus from the dead, not in the way that we usually see it happen by accident, or was for this a purpose? A purpose. Now, here on the screen it says, the way that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead was not the customary way we see others raised from the dead. Others have been raised from the dead before Lazarus, even by Jesus. The way that Jesus raised Lazarus was, what's the word, different, and, and it had a purpose. He wanted to let us know something very important in comparison to his resurrection. So let's take a look at the way that others were raised from the dead was not the way, or, or was not the way that Lazarus was raised from the dead. Again, the way that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead was not the customary way that others did it. 
for a purpose. In the Old Testament, in the what? Old Testament. Elijah and Elisha also were used by God to raise others from the dead. But the Bible says that Elijah and Elisha, you find this in First and Second Kings, approached the, the dead, the, the, the childs, approached the childs. That's key to know. They approached the childs, and they actually laid on them, and they came back to life, okay? Now, go to the book of Acts chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, go to Acts chapter 9, and we see that Peter was used by God to raise a woman that we know as Dorcas from the grave. And let's see how Peter does it. We saw that in the Old Testament, both Elijah and Elisha approached the bodies and actually laid on them for them to rise from the dead, of course, by God's power. Now, look at how Peter raises Dorcas from the dead. We're in Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, and we're going to go to verse 36. Acts chapter 9, verse 36. And the Bible says, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then Acts, fifth book of the Bible, New Testament. It says in verse 36 of Acts 9, at Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. Amen. A godly, God-fearing woman that was used by God, loved God, and did great things for God and in her life. Amen. Verse 37, but it happened in those days that she became sick and died. Now, let me say something right now. Even good people, God-fearing people who love Jesus get sick. Even those who love Jesus sometimes die. Did you know this? We live in a sinful world. And this woman who loved God and followed God and was used by God got sick. Sometimes that happens. And there is sure a lot of sickness happening today, yes or no? Now let's continue reading. It does not mean that God loves you any less if you get sick. Can you say amen? Continues, and when they had washed her, they laid her in the upper room. Verse 38 now. And since Lida was near Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Verse 39. Then Peter arose and went with them, and when he had come, they brought him to the upper room. Now, who was in the upper room dead? It was Dorcas, okay? So here comes Peter. They call for him. He's close by, and Peter comes to, uh, to, uh, to Joppa, and you look, don't miss it, that Peter now goes to the upper room where the dead person is. Yes or no? Yes. We keep reading. We are now in verse 30, uh, um, or in 39, and he brought him to the upper room, and all the widows stood by weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, what's the word? Arise, and she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up, verse 41. And then it says, then he gave her his hand and lifted her up, 
and when he had called the saints and, uh, and widows, he presented her alive. Now, don't miss what Peter did here. He didn't stand in Joppa and say, oh, don't worry, I'm just going to raise her from here. And he, no, he actually, look at this, he approached the upper room, he came to the house, he entered, he entered the upper room, and the Bible says that he knelt down and prayed, and he must have been really close to her because it says that he grabbed her by the hand after she awoke and led her outside. Can you say amen? Don't miss it so far. In the Old Testament, both... Uh, um, uh, um, both um, um, prophets by God approach, approach the dead boys, lay on them, and they arise. In Acts, Peter approaches the dead woman, entering the room, gets close to her, gets close to her, kneels and prays, grabs her by the hand, and says, come on outside. Look at this. Even when Jesus raised others from the dead, he followed this as well. He would always approach the dead people and sometimes even touch them. He would never stand or often do it. Go to the book of Luke. Take a look. Even others that Jesus rose from the dead, he would approach them. That was the customary way we see how others were raised from the dead. Again, the way that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead was not the customary way. He did it differently there. And we'll see why. We're in the book of Luke chapter 7, Luke chapter 7, Matthew, Mark, Luke chapter 7. Let's see how Jesus raised some others from the dead as we see here that the way that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead was not the customary way. He did it differently for a purpose. We're in Luke chapter 7, and we're in verse 11. Here we go. Luke chapter 7, verse 11. That rhymed, by the way. Luke 7, verse 11. Here we go. Now it happened the day after that he, Jesus, went into a, into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, verse 12, behold, a dead man was being carried out, and the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Verse 14, look at this. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still, and he said, young man, I say to you, there's our word again, arise. Do you see what Christ did? Did he stand afar off and say, hey, no worries. Hey, young man, go ahead and come up. No, no, the Bible says he approached. He approached the coffin. He approached the coffin. He even, even touched the coffin, and he said, arise. Are you with me? Go to Luke chapter 8. Take a look at this. Luke chapter 8. Again, we're seeing that the way that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead was different from the way we see it being done the customary way, Luke chapter 8, and look at verse 49, another instance of Jesus raising someone from the dead. Luke chapter 8, verse 49, the Bible says that when he was still speaking, that's Jesus, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, your daughter is, what's the word, dead, do not trouble the teacher. Now go to verse 51. When Jesus came into the house, we're now in verse 51. What did he do? 
He came into the house. He permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John and the father and mother of the girl. Go to verse 54. But he put them all outside, took her by the hand, and called, saying, here it is again, little girl, arise. Here we see it again, that Christ approaches. What's the word? Approaches the dead person. We saw it in the Old Testament. We saw it with Peter. Now we see it with Jesus. It was the customary way that the, the person that was going to do the miracle would approach the individual and so close to even touch them, and they would use the word arise. Are you with me so far? But then we come to the resurrection of, of Lazarus. What does Christ not do? He does not enter the tomb. He does not approach Lazarus in the tomb, does not touch Lazarus, does not say to Lazarus, arise. Everything he does here is different. Because maybe Christ wanted to do something different that day, or because he was going to teach us some things. Amen. On the screen, why didn't Jesus go into the tomb, approach Lazarus, and tell him to arise and unwrap his grave clothes? Why do it, what's the two words there, why do it differently here? Jesus wanted us to understand something. There was a specific purpose why he did it differently here with who? With Lazarus. Here we go with number one. Don't forget. Lazarus was placed where? In a tomb. Did you know that Jesus was placed in a tomb? Go to Matthew chapter 27. You see, Jesus was placed in a tomb. Go to Matthew, first book of the New Testament, verse 27. Let's look at the parallels between the burial of Lazarus and of Jesus. They're astounding. As Lazarus was placed in a tomb, Jesus was placed in in a tomb. We're in Matthew chapter 27, and let's read here verse 57. The Bible says, Matthew 27, verse 57, now when the evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body be given to him. Go now to verse 60, 60. And laid it, laid the body of Jesus in his new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. Lazarus was placed in a tomb. Christ was what? Placed in a tomb. Did you know that as Lazarus was wrapped in linen clothes or grave clothes from head to toe, guess what? Christ was wrapped in linen or grave clothes from head to toe. We're in Matthew 27, go to verse 59. Matthew 27, verse 59, the Bible says, when Joseph had taken the body, that's the body of Jesus, he what? He wrapped it in a clean linen cloth or grave clothes. It was customary that day, of course, that when you died, you were covered or wrapped in what they call grave clothes or linen clothes from head to toe. Lazarus was placed in the tomb, 
Christ was placed in the tomb. Lazarus was wrapped from head to toe with grave clothes. Christ was wrapped head to toe with grave clothes. Did you know, just as a stone was placed in front of the tomb of Lazarus, a stone was placed in front of the tomb of Jesus. Matthew 27, look at verse 60. Matthew 27, look at verse 60. And laid it in his new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb, and what? Departed. Now guess what? Just as the stone was rolled away in the tomb of Joseph, the stone was rolled away in the tomb of Jesus. We're in Matthew 28. Look at the parallels. They're astounding. Matthew chapter 28. Look at verse 2. A stone was rolled away from the, the, the tomb of Jesus. 28, chapter 28, verse 2 of Matthew, the Bible says, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came, and what's the words, and rolled back the stone from the door and sat down. Hallelujah. The Bible says that an angel from heaven came and he rolled away the stone there where Christ had laid. Look at the parallels. Both were laid in the tomb. Both were wrapped in linen clothes from top to bottom. Both had a stone rolled in front of the tomb. Both had the stone rolled away from the tomb. Can you say amen? Now guess what? As Lazarus was called forth by Christ, Christ was called forth by the Father through the Holy Spirit. Look at the Bible here. It's on the screen. In Galatians 1.1, Paul says, Paul, an apostle, sent not, for, not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So here we see that Christ was called forth from the grave by the Father, but then Paul then says here in Romans, it was through the Holy Spirit. Take a look at this, Romans 8 verse 11. And if the Spirit, capital S, third person of the Godhead, and if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus, Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Amen. Do you see that? As Lazarus was called forth from the tomb, Christ was called forth from the what? From the tomb. Now, I hope you're sitting down. As Lazarus comes walking out of the tomb, Jesus also came walking out of the tomb. But there was a huge difference. Let's take a look. We're in Matthew chapter 28. Look at verses 5 through 7. As Lazarus came walking out of the tomb, so did Jesus. We're in chapter 28 of Matthew verse 5. I hope you're there. But the angel answered and said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. What has happened? He has risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay, verse 7, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Can the church say amen? Take a look here on the screen. 
Both were laid in a tomb. Both were completely wrapped in linen or grave clothes. Both had a stone placed in front of the tomb. Both had the stone rolled away. Both were called forth from the tomb or grave. Both came walking out of the what? Of the tomb. But my million dollar question is, what is the major difference from the two? Are you sitting down? Go to John chapter 20. Take a look. Quickly, John chapter 20. Why was Christ raising Lazarus from the dead differently here? Here is one, the answer to number one of the two. John chapter, 11, uh, John chapter 20, beginning in verse 6 and 7. Here we go. There was a huge difference here that God wanted us to understand and rejoice over. Both came walking out of the tomb, but what we see here is that one was different. John 20, verses 6 and 7. John 20, 6 and 7, the Bible says, Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. Look at this. And he saw the linen clothes lying there. Verse 7, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Can the church say amen? Did you get it? What was the major difference? They both came walking out of the tomb, but there was one major difference that as Lazarus came walking out of the tomb with grave clothes, signifying that he would die again, Christ comes walking out without grave clothes, signifying that he would never die again. You can leave those grave clothes in the tomb. I won't need them. Death is defeated. In the book Desire of Ages, the best book on the life of Jesus, Spirit of Prophecy says, the soldiers see him removing the stone as he would as would a pebble and hear him cry, Son of God. What's the two words? Come forth. Where did we hear those words before? With Lazarus. Continue. Thy father calls thee. They see Jesus coming forth from the grave and hear him proclaim over the rent sepulcher, I am the resurrection and the what? Life. As he comes forth in majesty and glory, the angel hosts bow low in adoration before the Redeemer, Jesus, and welcome him with songs of praise. They saw the shroud and the napkin, but they did not find their Lord, hallelujah, yet even here was a testimony that he had risen. The grave clothes, the grave clothes were not thrown needlessly aside, but carefully folded each in a place by itself. Have mercy. God is such a God of order. God is such a God of, of even neatness that he didn't just toss the grave clothes aside like you might see some of the pictures. No, 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 no. He folded it nice and neatly and put it there. Mercy. That's a rebuke to me. <laughs> My wife would be right now, amen, amen. My husband needs to be more like Jesus in this way. He needs to learn how to fold things and put things nicely and neatly into their place. Can a man say amen? Can a woman say amen? Continue. 
It was Christ himself who had placed those grave clothes with such care. But it was the Savior's hand that folded each and laid it in its place in his sight who guides alike the star and the atom. There is nothing unimportant. Order and perfection are seen in all his work. Hallelujah. He who had vanquished death and the grave came forth from the tomb with the tread of a conqueror amid the reeling of the earth, the flashing of lightning, and the roaring of thunder. Can God's people say amen? Amazing. Lazarus came, comes out with grave clothes signifying that he would die again, but Jesus had, then folded, had them folded and they stayed in the tomb and he came out without them signifying that he would never die again. Hallelujah. Revelation 1.18 says this, I love it, I am he who lives. That's present tense, friends, present tense. I am alive today, Christ says, and was dead. That's past tense. You know what? That's the past. I was dead, but today I'm alive he says, and look at this, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. In other words, I will never die again. I came out of that tomb, not with grave clothes, but without them. Now we can see why Christ would raise Lazarus differently here to show us. Are you with me? The reality is, is that Jesus says death has been overcome. Keep those grave clothes in the tomb. Now, number two. We saw why, number one, why Christ raised Lazarus differently, and in this way, can you say amen if you're with me? Number two, and the last point here, is that this here was a miniature snapshot of the resurrection in the very end of time. And if you want to know what happens when you die, you want to look at the story of Lazarus. We're back in John chapter 11. Number two here, we're going to see that because Christ left those grave clothes in the tomb, that death is no longer really referred to as death anymore, but a sleep. At least the first death we're back in John chapter 11, in verse 11. Now we begin to see why Christ says, those who keep my words and follow me shall never see death. How, Jesus, is that possible? Look at the Lazarus story, he tells us. John chapter 11. I hope you're there. I'm not. Here we go. Look at verse 11 now. John 11, verse 11, the Bible says, then these things he said, and after he said to them, our friend Lazarus, what's the word there? Sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, verse 12, Lord, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Christ spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest in a sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, verse 14, Lazarus is what? Dead. Now, can you imagine this? Here's G he says, well, our friend Lazarus, he's asleep right now. And his disciples are confused. They say, well, Lord, you know, I know that you're the life giver. I know that you created the heavens and the earth and even mankind. But maybe you are ignorant with the fact of what happens when somebody gets sick. It's good for them to sleep and rest. <laughs> and Jesus says, uh, he's dead. 
But how does Jesus now refer to death? As a sleep. As a what? As a sleep. Now, you see, what Christ is telling us now is that when you die, yes, you are dead, but according to Jesus, you're asleep, awaiting to be woken up. Amen. The reality of this is this, that when Jesus says that one who believes in him will never see death, he's talking about the second death that we find in Revelation chapter 20 and 21. The first is just asleep. Because of Jesus and him walking out of the tomb with, without grave clothes, what he says is now is that, guess what? The first death is nothing but asleep. In other words, you're not dead. You're just sleeping here, awaiting to be woken up. Can you say amen? Because you know what? There's now two deaths in the Bible. The first death is what we call sleep. And then the second death is that it, the one that e eventually eradicates sin and those who cling to sin. Amen. So the Bible is telling us that if you've given your life to Jesus, if you follow Jesus and what he has to say and have committed your life to him, that guess what? You won't ever see death. You might sleep for a little bit, but you're never going to see death. He talks about the second death there. You'll never see the second death, he says. Can you say amen? And that is possible because Christ came out of the tomb, not with grave clothes, but without grave clothes. Now, let's see quickly how Christ would begin to do this. Go, go to Luke chapter 8. Look at Luke chapter 8 quickly. We're going to come back to John 11. We're almost done. But go to Luke chapter 8. Look what Christ says here when he raises the little girl again from, the, from, from, the, from, from death. Look what he says here. It's amazing. Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 49. Luke 8, verse 49. Look what Christ says here. Luke 8, verse 49 here. The Bible says in Luke 8, verse 49, while he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, uh, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, do not be afraid. Only believe, and she will be made well. Verse 51, when he came into the house, he permitted no one go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and mother of the girl. Verse 52, now all wept and mourning, mourned for her, but he said, don't miss what Christ says here. Do not weep. She's not dead. But sleeping. You see what Christ says there? Why are you weeping like this? She's not dead. She's asleep. Verse 53, and they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. Verse 54, but he put them all outside, looked her, uh, took her by the hand, and called, saying, little girl, arise, awake. Can you say amen? You see, look at this. On the screen, according to Jesus, if you die and have given your life to him, he says that you are asleep awaiting to be woken up. You're quote-unquote dead, but not dead. Sleeping is not death. If you follow Jesus, you will never die. You will wake up and won't taste the second death. You sleep awake and live forever. I'm so grateful that Christ came out of the tomb, not with grave clothes, but without grave clothes. Death has been conquered. And John chapter 11, go back there quickly. 
is a snapshot now. Also, number two, why Christ would raise Lazarus this way is a snapshot of what happens when you die and what will happen. Look what he says in John chapter 11. Look what he says in John chapter 11. Look at verse 17. John chapter 11. He tells us when they will rise. When will those who are asleep in Jesus rise? He tells us right here in John 11. He gives us again a snapshot of uh, death. In John 11, he tells us when those who are asleep in Jesus will rise. We're in verse 17. So when he came, he found that he had uh, already been dead, uh, had already been in the tomb four days. Go to verse 23 now. Verse 23. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And look what Martha says. And she said to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection. When? At the last day. I'm so thankful that Martha understood the biblical teaching of the state of the dead. Can you say amen? She said, Lord, I know he's going to rise. When? At the resurrection. When is that? At the last day. And what Christ is doing here is he giving her or giving us a little miniature snapshot of what that will look like at the last day when he raises Lazarus from the dead. Can you say amen? He raises him with his voice. With his what? His voice. Don't miss it. And he said to Lazarus, Lazarus, he didn't say down, he said, come forth with his what? His voice. Go to John 5 quickly. Go to John chapter 5. That's what's going to happen for those who are asleep in Jesus. They're going to be resurrected by the voice of God, by the voice of Jesus, because Christ is the life giver. Or in John 5, look at verse 28 and 29. The rise of Lazarus from the dead is a snapshot of death and what Christ will do at the resurrection. Verse 28 of chapter 5 of John says, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming which, when, in which all who are in the grave, Christ puts all the dead in the grave, will hear his what? What's the word there? Will hear his voice. And those come forth, and those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. And guess what? Now in First Thessalonians, look at the screen here. Paul reveals to us here this glorious event here at the coming of Christ and his soon return, and he's going to come back. And guess what? We are to, we are to um, uh, rejoice to say and know that Christ uh, did not leave with grave clothes, but without. He will return. He's alive today. And look what's going to happen here. First Thessalonians chapter 4, for the Lord himself will sh will, uh, shall descend from heaven with a shout. And what's the word here? And with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, here it is, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. In other words, they're not dead, they're sleeping. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with, the Lord, with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with who? The Lord. We're now going to finish with two more things that Christ gave us a snapshot of what will happen at the resurrection. They're found, they're found at the rising of the other two examples of the young man at the coffin and the little girl. There are glimpses there of God do doing something there that will give us a hint of what else will happen at the resurrection. Let's finish with that. Look at this here. The stories found in Luke 7 and 8 also give an example of what happens at the resurrection. Go back quickly to Luke uh, chapter 7, uh, chapter 8, I'm sorry. Go quickly back to Luke chapter 8 as we begin to wrap up. 
So as we're turning to Luke chapter 8, we begin to see why Christ would raise Lazarus from the dead differently. He didn't follow the customary ways of approaching and even touching the dead and, and, and telling him to arise. No, he stands afar off with Lazarus, and he does it differently, first to show us that there were parallels between how Lazarus was buried and Christ was buried. But eventually, Lazarus comes walking out with grave clothes, knowing that he would, uh, in a sense, die again. But Christ comes out without them, signifying that he would never die again. Can you say amen? Number two, also the way he rose Lazarus from the dead was to show the people how or what happens now when you die. You're asleep. You're sleeping, awaiting to be woken up by his voice. And we see that that will happen at the second coming of Christ. And he will raise those who are asleep in Jesus to live and never die again. Can you say amen? Now, two more examples of what will happen at the resurrection. We're in John, Luke chapter 8. Take a look. What else is going to happen? Luke chapter 8 and let's again read verses 52 through 55. Luke chapter 8, 52 through 55. Say amen if you're there. Okay. The Bible says, verse 52. Now all wept and mourned to her, but he said, Do not weep. She's not dead, but what? But sleeping. Look at this. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. But when he had put them all outside, he took her by the hand and called, saying, Little girl, what? Arise. Now look at verse 55. Then her spirit returned. The word spirit there in the Greek means breath, ruach. She, she breathed again, okay? The, her breath came back to her. The breath of life returned to her here, and she's alive again. Look what Christ then commands for something to happen. Look at this. It says, then, then her breath returned, her spirit, her breath returned, and she arose immediately. Look at this. And he commanded that she be given something to eat. What did he order the parents to give her? Food. Give her something to eat. Now, look at this. Are we not all children of God as well? Yes? Can you say amen? When the Bible says in 1 John 3, 1, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Now, listen very carefully. Listen very carefully, children of God. When Christ returns in the clouds and resurrects those who are sleeping in Him and those who are translated, here's my question. After Christ comes to wake some of His people up, are we going to go get something to eat? <laughs> yes or no? Amen? We are. Look what the Bible says. The Bible says here, it's on the screen, Matthew 8, 11, and I, I can guarantee that many will come from all over the world that they will, what's the word, eat with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Can you say amen? You see, this is a miniature example of what will also happen when you die or were resurrected at the second coming, that the little girl was ordered to get, give her something to eat. Christ will come, and he's going to say, guess what? I know you're probably pretty hungry. It's time to eat. Every morning, my, my kids run into my wife and I's room, and guess what the first thing they want? Yeah, they want to eat something, right? And we're like, ah, you know, give us a minute here, right? I mean, we want fruit. We want to eat. We want to eat. We're hungry because when 
you wake out of sleep, you know, it's called break fast, right? Breakfast comes from those two words, break fast. Therefore, you're usually hungry and need to eat again. Well, guess what? Christ shows us here in the resurrection of the little girl as a snapshot to say that when he returns and wakes some of his people from sleep and those who are translated, he says, you know what? I know you're probably hungry. Let's go get something to eat. Can you say amen? Just a few more verses here. Revelation 19, and after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto who? The Lord our God. And he has said unto me, with right blessed are they which are called unto the marriage, what's the word there? Supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, these are the true sayings of God. Hallelujah. Look at this one here. Revelation 22 verse 14, the Bible says, blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter into the gates, into the city. We're going to get something to eat, friends. Hallelujah. Therefore, last one here, if the rising of the little girl in regards to give, give her something to eat was another snapshot of what will happen at the resurrection, would it therefore uh, be logical to understand or think that what happened at the resurrection of the young man in Luke chapter 7 and what happened there would also be an example, yes or no? It could be, right? Let's go to Luke chapter 7 as we close now. Last one here, Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, say amen when you get there. Now, before we read that, I want to say this, that the good news is, is that when Christ comes and wakes his people out of sleep, you're not going to go eat alone, you're going to go eat with others. Amen? It's not just like, let me order takeout and eat in my room by myself. No, 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 there's going to be great reunions there, great fellowship and great joy. Look what we see here in the book, Great Controversy, page 645. Friends, long separated by death are united, never more to part, and with songs of gladness ascend together to the city of God. Can you say amen? Praise God. In the book, Early Writings, we are told that there was a vision that God gave Ellen White, and she saw a table miles long. And there was fruits, and the tree of life fruit was there, and God's people were there. And the Bible says that God came and served each and every one of us. Can you say amen? All right, last snapshot here. We're back in Luke chapter 7. Take a look. Last snapshot here, and we're done. Luke chapter 7, verse 12. What else is going to happen at the resurrection? Luke chapter 7, verse 12. The Bible says, and when he came near to the gate of the city, only uh, um, the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the city was with her. Verse 13, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Look at this, verse 14, 
And he came and touched the open coffin, and, sa- and those who carried him stood still. They stopped moving. And he said, young man, he must have been pretty young, obviously. He wasn't an old, he was a young man. We don't know the exact age, but probably a teenager or something. That He says, young man, I say to you, arise. Look at verse 15. Here it is. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak. Wow. Verse it continues. And Jesus presented him to his mother. It says that he took this woman's child that had died and presented him to her. Did you know that as, at the resurrection, at the coming of Jesus, many small children, even infants, will be carried to their mother's arms? Isn't that great news? Look what we find here in the book, Great Controversy, talking about the resurrection. Look what she says here. It's amazing. Little children are born by holy angels to their mother's arms. This snapshot here of Jesus returning this child to her mother, his mother, is another snapshot of what will happen at the resurrection. Many mothers have lost even babies. And the Bible says that because of their faithfulness, God will then bring that child back into their arms. What amazing reunions will happen at the coming of Jesus. Be encouraged. Oh, if you've been either a mother or a father or any parent who's lost a little one, be encouraged that stay faithful to God, stay true to God. God will make things right. God will make things right. And that's why John ends the book of Revelation this way. Look at how God ends the Bible. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you, be with God's people. Let the church say, amen. I'm so thankful that Christ is going to return. Can you say amen? I'm so thankful that this is possible. Why? Because Christ came walking out of the tomb, not with grave clothes, but without grave clothes. He is victor. Leave those grave clothes in the grave, in the tomb. They belong there. Amen. So my two appeals for God's church today, the church is the people, not a building, wherever you are, online, even the handful here. Are you thankful that Christ came out without grave clothes? Are you thankful? Are you thankful? And my last appeal is, do you want to accept the free gift of salvation and eternal life through Christ that can begin today? For Jesus said, he who keeps my words shall never see death. Now we know why he would say this. The gift is free. 
It's for everybody. He just wants you to accept it. Anybody here today want to accept that, that free gift of salvation? Amen. You can raise your hands at home. Let God know that you would accept that free gift, that thank you, Jesus, that you came out without grave clothes. Robert Manessis is the pastor at the University Parkway Seventh-day Adventist Church in Pensacola, Florida. Our weekly podcasts are recorded every Saturday morning. Bible study begins at 9.30. The sermon begins at 11. You are invited to join us. We live stream the 11 o'clock service. You can catch that broadcast at our website, universitypkwy.org, or at Livestream. A library of previous messages is available on our YouTube channel and on our website. Thank you for listening.